and welcome back to the Pen for Pen podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Atkinson, and this is a part two, if you will, of the 2021 Intercollegiate Team and Intercollegiate Singles sectional qualifiers. And later on in the episode, I'll also talk about the PBA playoffs that are going on last weekend and will be coming up this weekend and throughout the month of May. So, as I always say, let's get right into it. First, we're going to head to Addison, Illinois, and start off with the women. From games 1 through 20, Mount Mercy held the lead with a block score of 3,922, but Lincoln Memorial was not far behind with a total of 3,800. 45, and then in third place, William Penn had a total of 3,833. So close scores up top, you had Wisconsin Whitewater in there, Indiana Tech, lots of Iowa schools like Clark, Aquinas, Waldorf, Hawkeye Community College, lots of good schools in there. Northwestern Ohio, I thought would be a little bit higher, but they still have a chance to come back. So yes, all in all, this was a good start, and the top teams make made their mark early. Now in the second portion of the event, Mount Mercy had the lead and retained it, and so they earned the top place with a total of 7,819. Baker University came in with a total of 7,632, giving them the second place finish for the women. So congratulations to them, a team from Kansas. Lincoln Memorial, a fantastic team who joined the Carolina Coastal Conference late next year so they could have as an associate member and then in a couple years, the Carolina Coastal Conference will be able to get an NCAA bid for winning the conference. So they will be a powerful contender in that conference, along with Belmont Abbey and Emanuel College. Wisconsin Whitewater was able to stay in the top four with a total of 7,587, which is good. And then some teams on the outside who did not make it, unfortunately, were William Penn, Indiana Tech, Lewis, Grandview, Calumet, and Clark, just to name a few. In the women's bracket, there were 17 teams, but in each sectional, only the top four teams qualify. So again, congratulations to all of the teams that qualified, especially Mount Mercy, who was the top qualifier. Shifting to the men in Illinois, William Penn was the team in the lead after the first 20 games for the men with a total of 4,153. Indiana Tech had a fantastic run with a total of 3,931. And then Mount Mercy making their presence known in the men's division with 9,330. So just one point difference 
between first place and second place. And so you could see how competitive these teams are. Again, in bowling, it's just one missed spare, going for it when you should have went for the count. All these things add up in the final total. And when teams are this good, it matters. And in fourth place, Calumet, with a total of 3,913. They've had a fantastic season so far, and I'm sure they will have a fantastic postseason. But they need to stay top four or get even higher so they avoid elimination. And then when you look at games 21 through 40, you see that Calumet College does just that. With a total of 8,376, they take the top spot. William Penn is in second place with a total of 8,211. Indiana Tech in third place with a total score of 8,090. And Mount Mercy staying in the top four with a total score of 7,958. Now I want to mention Aquinas had a really good season. They barely missed the mark, but they will get better and they will be back next season. And hopefully they can get back to this point and go further. There were 19 teams in the men's section. So a pretty full tournament and the top teams really showed out but some really outstanding bowling from Clark and Wartburg and Lewis and Northwestern Ohio. They all had fantastic seasons, and I can't wait to see what they do next year. But moving on to Dallas, Texas at USA Bowl, the women of Wichita State take the first 20 games with a total of 3,931. But Stephen F. Austin was hot on their trail with a total of 3,770. And then in third place, you had Louisiana Tech with a total of 3,753. Again, we see a close, close numbers between number two and number three. And Stephen F. Austin and Louisiana Tech were championship contenders, though Stephen F. Austin was not in the championship bracket. They were still national champs from 2019, so they were a formidable opponent. Other notable names were Newman, who came in fourth, and Lindenwood, who came in fifth. And those were pretty much your your top contenders for this bracket. There was only 12 teams for the women competing, and so it was pretty cut and dry who could make it and who could not. Again, only the top four make it to the national tournament. And when you go to the next 20 games, it is basically the same. Wichita State in first place with a total of 8,041. Stephen F. Austin with a total of 7,763. Louisiana Tech with a total of 7,482, and then Newman with a total of 7,352. But some things that happened, Midland moved up while Lindenwood moved down, and 
that's pretty shocking. I thought Lindenwood might be able to crack that top four, but they did not. A shout-out to Oklahoma Christian, a very good team out there in Oklahoma. And so, yes, you know that these top four teams, Wichita, Stephen F. Austin, Louisiana Tech, and Newman, will be championship contenders on the national level. The men's teams who competed in Texas threw up very high scores with Midland University having the top score after the first 20 games with a total of 3,960. Martin Methodist had the second highest with a total of 3,835. Then you have Wichita State and Lindenwood coming in at number three and four. So this was a pretty good top four. There were 14 teams, some Iowa schools, community colleges. You have Oklahoma Christian in there, Central Missouri, Spring Hill, and Arizona State, just to name a few. And so these schools were fighting it out. There were lots of close scores midway through. And then if you go to the second portion with games 21 through 40 midland stays at the top with a total of they tied wichita state with the same total 7956 now that my friends is rare i mean tying and bowling you can see but after 40 games that is remarkable and like I said, those misspares, those whatevers, going for it when you shouldn't have, uh, going for count, uh, going for count when you should have tried to go for it, stuff like that, it all adds up. And you see right here, if one of these teams had a bad break or didn't strike or didn't do what they needed to do, they would have been number one instead of number two or number two instead of number one. Now, luckily, they weren't like number four and five, and they'd have to go to like a roll-off or something to determine it. So they both are still going to get in. Martin Methodist is still in there with a total of 7,768. And then you have Lindenwood, who has a very strong team with a total of 7,519. So a remarkable day in Dallas, Texas, as the intercollegiate team championship sectional qualifier ends and having your top 7,956, but 16 teams qualify for the USBC intercollegiate team championship, which I'll go over in the next episode, 135 women who attempted to qualify for nationals in Addison, Illinois, but only six were able to do it. And the top person who was able to do it was Brooke Allen from Clark University. And she shot a total of 1,325 for six games. Hannah Bond came in second place with a total of 1,276. And in third place, Cassidy Corey. There were two other 
qualifiers, who shot 1,222 and then 1,213 respectively. They're from Mount Mercy University and Indiana Institute of Technology. So congratulations to the top six women who did their best and earned their place in the national tournament and a fantastic season to all the other women that attempted and got to this point. For the men, there were 158 people who entered Addison, Illinois, but again, only six were able to have their dreams fulfilled and go to nationals. And Pete Virgos from Calumet College of St. Joseph was the top qualifier with the total score of 1,305. And just behind him from Indiana Institute of Technology, Corey Hesha with a score of 1,304. Again, everything matters in bowling. But sometimes you miss a spare. You got to put that behind you, say you didn't get it, and keep on going. And that's what most of these guys had to do if they want to get to this point. Third place, Jordan from St. Ambrose University shot an impressive 1,294. Alexander from William Penn University shot 1,277. Sean Quinn, another Calumet College of St. Joseph's person, shot a total of 1,261. And the sixth and final qualifier was from Mount Mercy University. Michael from Lincoln Memorial University shot a very impressive 1,259. So congratulations to the top six men and women qualifiers, and I hope they continue their success at the national level. Going to the last qualifier in Texas for the women, Patricia from Prairie View A&M University was the top scorer with a total of 1,281. Dakota from Stephen F. Austin University shot a score of 1,225. Emily Crone from Martin Methodist University was so close with a total of 1,223, but she came in third place, so she's still in. Shale Bradley from Iowa Western Community College shot a 1,206. Brooklyn Bordeaux from Arkansas State University shot a 1,201. And the last finalist was Madison Janet from Wichita State University with a score of 1,181. So congratulations to all the women who participated. There were over 120 entrants and unfortunately only the top six qualify. So best of luck next year to you all in the women's division. For the men's division in Dallas, Texas, Alec Keplinger from Wichita State was top qualifier with a total of 1,270, while Tyler Sinovic from Newman University was hot on his trail, only being in second place by six points. Seth 
from the University of Texas, San Antonio, shot a score of 1,242, while Andrew Sachs from Lindenwood University came in fourth place with a score of 1,233. There were two more qualifiers, Joshua from Oklahoma Christian University and Troy Owens from Lindenwood University. So congratulations to all the top qualifiers. In the men's division, there were 146 athletes competing, but again, only the top six can qualify. So congratulations to all of them. I wish them all much success on the national Well, that's all for this week in college bowling. Let's move on to what's happening in the PBA. Last weekend, we had the round of six, one of the rounds of 16 in the PBA playoffs. And Kyle Troop and Andrew Anderson was the first matchup. And in the first game, Kyle Troop beat Andrew Anderson 234 to 233. So quite a close match there. And then in game two, Andrew Anderson beat Kyle Troop 225 to 212. So these scores were super close and they had to go to a ninth and 10th frame roll off. You have to score two points to win. And how you score points is you win both games. If they split both games, you must go to a ninth and 10th frame roll off. If they are tied, After the ninth and 10th frame roll-off, then they go to a one-ball roll-off. And so Troop beat Anderson 58-26 to to move on. And Andrew Anderson, he won a doubles title this year with Chris Prather. So it was good to see him get back up, but he fell to the number one seed, Kyle Troop. In the next match, it was Thomas Larson versus Anthony Simonson. And surprisingly, Thomas Larson 2-0'd Anthony Simonson. Simonson was not in the best frame of mind towards the end. At the beginning, the first game, it was 244 to 238. But then in the last game, it was 279 to 224. And Simonson started complaining about the pin setter, his fan not working. And he made some comments to his tour reps at eight got so uh, apparent that even Randy Peterson mentioned it on the broadcast. And so I would suggest that anyone who's listening to this goes back and watches that. It was quite a piece of theater, to say the least. Dick Allen and Francois Laval went one game apiece, and so they had to go to a roll-off. Dick Allen went first and does not get a strike in the first frame and finishes out with strikes in the 10th for a 50. But Francois Laval was on his good lane and he shot 59. So Francois Laval won the roll-off and thus moved on in the bracket. Then the next pairing, it was Bill O'Neill versus Jacob Buttriff. And this was an interesting matchup. Buttriff beat O'Neill in the first game 257 to 193. But Bill O'Neill, not to be deterred, wanting to defend his title, beat Jacob Buttriff by a margin of five, 227 to 222. 
And so again, for the second time that day, they went to a roll-off with Bill O'Neill defeating Jacob Buttriff in the roll-off 49 to 39. So the defending champion is still in it. He's still alive and he's going to retain his championship. Looking at the week matchups this weekend, we got Chris Five versus Christian Azcona, Chris Prather versus EJ Tackett, Tom Doherty versus Jason Storner, and Yes for Svensson versus Sam Cooley. I'm going to take Chris Five, Tom Doherty, Yes for, and EJ. Now, I know Chris might beat EJ just because Chris has a high win percentage on TV, but I think EJ can get it done you know he hasn't had the best of luck on tv as of late he hasn't won in a while so this could be his time to win so i'm picking ej and so we'll see how my predictions turn out next week but that's the end of this episode of the pin for pin podcast remember to share it with your friends family cousins, co-workers, anybody and everybody. And remember, the levels of success are good, better, best. So never let it rest till you're better than the best. See you all next time.